Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. And today's episode is called Selfishness, It's All About Me. Now, any of us who know somebody who has BPD understands this all too well. It has to be all about them constantly. No matter what it is, whether it's material possessions or feelings, anything, all about them no matter what no matter what no matter what I'm not saying that in a bad way in a way I am and in a way I'm not um, and no offense to anybody who has BPD you know please in any of my episodes I'm not directly targeting you guys directly it's the disorder that we're targeting it's not you personally please don't take it personally um, that's this whole podcast is about it's about the people who have it I honestly don't know your feelings per se because I don't have the disorder my wife does have it Um, but again this is all about discussion and how it affects both of us and hopefully people with BPD can understand our perspective of how the disorder affects us and the relationship the families and so forth so anyways with that being said Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and let's get on with the show. So, here we are again. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to my podcast, Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I sounded like a little bit of a professional DJ. <laughs> it's the most amateurish way I could possibly act professional. But anyways, um, sorry I haven't really dedicated as much time as I should uh, to my podcast and to my dedicated listeners. Um, actually, I just looked and um, last week I was at 570 subscribers and I've actually jumped up to 1,024 which is a huge jump so I must be doing something right um 
I don't make any money off of this podcast. It's purely something I do on my own just to reach out to um, people and trying to help them. Um, I welcome anybody who has any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, send me an email. It's thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. And I'll be more than glad um, to respond to you, um, whatever the case may be. Like I said, if it's a question, a comment, um, anything I can provide to you to help, you know, uh, I'm, like, again, I don't have any professional experience or degrees. I just have 34 years of experience in living with somebody who has BPD. And uh, that's an extensive amount of experience uh, living directly in it. Um, my wife, excuse me, um, now ex-wife, um, we got divorced three years ago, um, but we're still together. I just, um, oh, God. We have such a tangled relationship. We've been together. I was 18. She was 16. And she was five and a half months pregnant when I met her. I had never had a girlfriend. Well, not a real girlfriend. And um, had never had sex before that either. And she was my first love in every which way. She was my soulmate. It was love at first sight. <laughs> As everybody laughs, they said love at first sight. She had a big baby bump. <laughs> but... It doesn't matter. I fell in love with her, and um, I still am. Um, a lot of things led up to our divorce, and um, there was a restraining order. I couldn't even try to get back together with her until um, the restraining order was over. And now we've been together on and off, but because of the disorder, we live two separate. She lives an hour away from me, and we tried moving back in with each other, but every argument ended with all my stuff being thrown out in front lawn. So now when I go out there, I just bring a set of clothes. And in the last year, the most I've been up there is six days before she has made me leave. Um, but there's been times it's been one day. <clears throat> Sometimes I've even gone up and hadn't even spent the night turn around and go back home. It's a good distance. You know, it's an hour's travel. But I do it because I love her. I love her with all my heart and soul. I really do. And... The problem with the relationship is I've gone through three counselors and they all have said they can't help me anymore because I refuse to take their advice. For the main fact, I mean, I do a lot of research on BPD. I've read books. Um, I've listened to audiobooks. I've gone to forums. Um, I've done extensive research. I've watched videos. Again, not saying I'm a professional, um, but I have applied a lot of um, techniques that I've seen and things that I've take, gotten out of watching or reading and applied to my own situations. Nothing, a lot of them work because everybody's situation is a little bit different, but um, a, lot, a lot of stuff has worked. And um, I firmly, so firmly am a believer of um, um, D, uh, DBT. God, all these acronyms. <laughs> DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Um, from what I've read, it was originally designed for people with borderline personality disorder because it teaches you about being in the moment, you know, mindfulness. Um, we've all been in that. As a matter of fact, I'll back up for a second. Um, but it's been so successful with people with BPD and couples that they actually apply it with most people with mental health disorders. And I found it extremely helpful. I was uh, taught it back in... 
2006, I think it was, first time I had gone to a drug and alcohol rehab. And um, anybody should really look into DBT. It's, it's unbelievable. We've all been in situa situations where, you know, we step back and we said, oh, God, I wish I had said this. All right. Uh, wish I hadn't said that or wish I had done this or wish I had done that and you know that's what it allows us to do it, it kind of trains us to step back you know um, it's about mindfulness if you search on Google under mindfulness or DBT uh, there's some really really good um, techniques that you can practice from home um, what I had done because I've got social anxiety and um, my wife does too neither one of us like any kind of a group sitting with more like five people. And her counselor, my counselor both said they, um, their group sitting is like 10 to 12. So we said, forget that. But I looked for an alternative and I said, is there anything online that we might be able to uh, print up some worksheets, you know, practice sheets that we could do from home? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And she was actually pretty surprised that I was motivated to do this. So she had come back and she gave me about uh, 10 websites to go on. And I had printed... Oh my god, I, huh. I mean a ream of paper is like 500 pages, so I'd say probably about 200, maybe 250 um, uh, sheets of, um, you know, what is DBT, how to use DBT, uh, DBT in different situations, uh, how to work together, I'm sorry, how to practice DBT as a couple, you can do role playing, I thought it was awesome, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, she never even let me do one sentence with her. Not one worksheet, nothing. So I ended up studying most of it by myself, which just showed, again, one side tilt the scale in the relationship. Um, and it's really hard to do something on your own on this because you're, you know, it's like learning to play darts blindfolded, you know, it's... It just—it was frustrating. It was very hurtful. I was very excited. I collated all the papers and I set us up on different dates of um, different subjects, and I re really got into it. And I thought she was actually going to do it with me. And I tried many, many, many times. And one time I held it all up and I said, "You know what? I guess this is where this is all going." And I threw it right in the trash. And I started crying. I said. You know, I was doing this to help us, to help us get along better. But again, she takes it as, I, I guess I made the mistake is by reading the, the part where it said that DBT was specifically originally, originally designed for people with borderline personality disorder. So she's like, why do we get to do something that focuses on my disorder? What about your disorder? So then I had to change it. And I said, but you also, you failed to hear when I said that, they felt it was so um, it was so effective that every doctor with everybody's disorder said, "You know what? This works for any disorder." And but somehow I just once I made that first statement, it 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 focused right on her disorder. You know, it's like if I'm sitting there reading an article, she'll look over and she go, "Why are you reading about my disorder all the time? Why not about yours?" You know, and finally I started coming up. I said, "Well." Should that not show you that I care about you? My doctor's there to help me with my disorder. If I go in and ask my doctor about your disorder, he's going to say, that's your job to ask your doctor. You know, I'm, I do talk to my doctor about my disorder when I'm there. That's what they get paid for. 
but somehow she always took offense to it when I was something about her disorder. And a couple times she slipped up, and I, f I found out why she got offensive. She said, um, and she felt that I was trying to learn about her disorder so I could deceive her and get around it and learn about it. You know, it's like learning the plans to somebody's house where all the escape entrances and exits and entrances are. And I said, it's not that at all. And no matter how many times you try to explain it, it's because I love you. Because I want to learn, you know, I explained it to her this way. I said, you know, say you move to um, a new country and you, you know nothing about their language or their culture. Um, how do you get around? You know, so what you do is you find a tour guide and that person teaches you, you know, how to get around the modes of transportation, um, um, sightseeing and, um, you know, how to get along with basic language so you, so you can understand get around. Otherwise, it's very confusing and frustrating. Um, you know, sometimes that works. And you, I, I'm pretty good with analogies and my analogies, you know, were effective a lot of times, but I waste so much time with analogies that's the problem um you know i'm always have to double explain myself because everything in her mind is um there's deception behind it and, and it's really not you know and, and and trust me i understand that you know a lot of the things i did in the past you know did seem like it was leading up to a deception so of course you know a lot of the scripts i did in the past come back to haunt me um, but I try to make her see in her eyes that, you know, um, she divorced me and I'm, and I'm still here and, and I, I'm trying to, I bang my head against the wall so many times because I try to make the relationship work again. Um, you know, in the beginning it did come in back pretty fast. You know, we went from being friends, right to lovers to, you know, I actually tried to engage, uh, I'm sorry, asked her to engage we got engaged, and um, then it went right back to get out of my house, get out of my life. I'm glad I divorced you, and this is why I divorced you. And it's like uh, a bubble going up and down. It's like we, we barely get past friendship, and then when I think we're friends, we're not even friends. And oh, it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. But I think we're like sometimes. I don't know if anybody knows what centrifugal force is. Um, if you ever gone to um, the carnival, and they have a thing called the Turkish twist, and it's like a, a circle. You get in, and you stand against a wall, and it spins so fast you sucked up against the wall, and you can't move your arms or nothing. Now, that's centrifugal force. Well, I think what happens sometimes is, like maybe many relationships, I, I definitely know ours, um, that the turmoil just gets its momentum and starts spinning so fast when it's sucked against that wall that you just can't get out of that. And just when you think, you know, you're getting your arm, boosh, you sucked right back in. Um, I don't know, maybe that's the best way I can explain it, if that makes any sense to anybody. Um, but it's frustrating. You know, so like I said, in the last year, um, you know, it used to be like, let me see, about every... Two weeks, maybe three weeks, she'd send me away for a few days, maybe five days, never more than a week. And then then the pattern started changing, and it started being um, every week. I'd be gone for like three to five days, and then it became every five days, and then it became every three days, sometimes every two days. And that's frustrating because 
like I said, I, I live an hour away from her now. And with the price of gas and my vehicle, um, I just got three years ago. And I got it, it had 32,000 miles on it. And right now I'm at 140,000 miles. And all those miles, I don't work. Um, I'm on permanent disability. And all those miles of traveling back and forth to see her, it's uh, 52 miles, I think it is, from her house to my house. And, um, I mean, other times where I literally have gone right to her house, tells me to leave, don't even get out of my car. I'll sit there for like an hour and then fine, I'll leave. Well, there's 100 miles in one day for literally nothing. Um, I've had days where I've gone back and forth twice because you change your mind. It's it's a game. It's a very expensive game, and it's a wear and tear game. I put thousands of dollars worth of repairs in my car from wear and tear, tires, brakes, blah, 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 you name it. It's still stuff wrong, but I can't even afford to fix now. Um, anyways, away from that. So now, like I said, in the last year, I think that the record we've gone is six days before she actually told me to leave. And it probably would have been a few days before that, but I fought to keep it going. But it just stretched so thin. You know, as a matter of fact, that time, what's funny is, usually, like, when there's an argument, she'll turn it around. She'll be like, oh, you're looking at it, she'll leave. Might as well just grab your stuff and go now. What are you talking about? I can tell you to try to leave. Well, that, that time that we broke the record of six days, that's what she had said. Uh, day four, she had said, you know, you look like you're trying to leave. But day five, finally day six, she said, you know what? You've been trying for days to leave. Just fucking get out of my house. Excuse my language. And I said, no, I'm not trying to leave. And she said, yeah, you are. I know you, blah, blah, blah. I said, really? But you don't know me that well because you know what? After 34 years, you're wrong. You don't know me that well. Because two days before I even came up here, I found out you were texting a kid she had an affair with um, while we were separated. I said, two days before I even came up here, I found out that you were texting to him for two days straight, begging him to be a friend again. And if he'd be a friend, you know, he'd make sure I wasn't, uh, that I wouldn't be at the house, you know, so they wouldn't be arguing, blah, blah, blah. Please be my friend. Um, now I knew all that two days before I even came up. So the whole time I was here, I told her, the whole time I was here, I knew you had texted him. If I wanted to leave so bad, number one, I wouldn't even came up. Number two, if I did, I would have left any day. I, would, I didn't have even brought it up. She goes, why are you bringing it up now then? I said, to prove to you a point, you said I've been itching to leave. I had every right to leave. I had, well, excuse me, not every right. I had every reason to leave by saying, you know, you're texting this other guy. But you give me shit always accusing me, oh, I'm texting some girl. When I'm not, I'm not texting anybody. I haven't been texting anybody. But I said, you always throw that as an excuse. Oh, you're texting somebody. Get out of my house. Text her at your own house. Text your own little whore somewhere else. But actually, you have been. And you did two days before I came out. So I came up here already knowing that you were texting somebody else. But, like I said, as far as the selfishness, it's like, I'll drive up here to make sure she has her cigarettes. And make sure she has food. Because uh, right now her license expired. So um, I literally, you know, will drive up here an hour um, to make sure she's got what she needs. Even she'll ignore my texts, ignore my calls. And I'll know just about when she should be out of cigarettes or food or, or, or dog food, cat food. So I'll drive all the way up here. And she'll be like, what are you doing up here? Money was just going to show up. I said, well, I mean, you weren't answering me, but... You're going to tell me your dogs almost aren't out of food, or the cats, or cigarettes. 
You know what your life should say to me? You must obviously have cameras in my fucking house. So what are you talking about? Well, it's funny. I was just saying today that my dogs are going to be out of food or I'm going to be out of cigarettes. I said, well, I, I mean, we've been together 34 years. I mean, well, the animals haven't been around, but um, how do I say it? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I said, for the past three years, I've been supplying you dog food, your cigarettes. You go through about the same amount of dog food. If you give them one scoop in the morning, one scoop at night, two dogs, that one bag usually lasts the same amount of time, give or take maybe a half a day. You smoke about the same amount of cigarettes. I mean, that's completely coincidental that you happen to be saying it. But, I mean, it's around the same time. I said, not only that, and I had a receipt actually in my hand. I said, look, see data on this receipt from Walmart? That's when I bought the dog food last, okay? Which shows you should have probably just about a day left of dog food. She goes, actually, I have two days left. I said, oh, wow, see? Now, it wasn't exactly right. I said, but you got to stop being paranoid and thinking that. I said, what you should do from now on? Stop saying that stuff out loud. Because she always says, she says something out loud, and then all of a sudden I'll call or uh, say something out loud and something happen. Stop saying things out loud and see if it's still just coincidental. And then you're going to try to say something that's picking up your mind. But that's what I mean. I'll drive all the way up there. And, and well, I remember one day I drove all the way up. And I said, I've got dog food. Um, oh, no, it was just tobacco. Sorry, because we were all on cigarettes. I bought a big bag of tobacco and tubes. And she had been saying um, the day before, two days before that, she was um, picking stubbies out of the ashtray. I said, well, if you're nice to me, I said, I'll be more than glad to drive you up all that you need. So she didn't respond. So the next day, I drove all the way up there. And I bought her a huge bag of tobacco and tubes. And I went to her window and knocked, and I said, I've got you cigarettes and tobacco. And she's like, oh, gee, thank you. And I said, oh, yeah, well, thank you. I said, no. I said, can you at least go to the door and open the door and take it from me? She's like, no, I'm not going to. No, you're not in control and blah, blah, blah. I said, it's, it's common courtesy. Can you just take it from my hands? So she started bitching about that. I said, well, geez, I guess the next thing I was going to ask you was maybe you could just give me a hug for bringing it all the way up here. She goes, I'd rather quit smoking, get off my fucking property, and take it back with you. So I said, wow, okay. So I really didn't take it off the property. I hid it in, um, our grandkids have like a little playhouse. So I hid it in there because I figured, you know, if I finally gave in, I'd just call her up and tell her, you know, here's where it's hidden. But instead, um, later on that night, she texted me and she said, you know, that was kind of stupid and rude of me. You know, maybe I should have at least taken it from your hand or give you a hug. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. I shouldn't have said that. You were going out of your way. So I said, can I bring it to you? And she said, could you? So I could have just easily said, you know, it's around the back. But I figured this is my chance to go and visit. So I came up and visited. But that just proves the point. It's, it's, you know, all about me. It's like, I don't want to give you a hug, so I'll do without. And here she is, you know, jumping through hoops. I went all the way back up there. So this goes on and on, you know. Um, there was, uh, again, another time um, I always get my, my Social Security check around the first of the month. And, um, oh, what was I going to say? So anyways, yeah, I know it's stupid. Everybody says the same thing. I admit I get used a lot. She'll be nice to me right around the first. And, you know, see the animals are running low into um, not tobacco, food and stuff and, 
yeah, I go running up there and I buy her food and, you know, offer to um, take her out to eat or, you know, order subs or pizza or something. And no, honestly, I, I don't get a lot, but it, it goes pretty quick, you know, between my car payment and um, other expenses. It's not a lot. And the spare money I do have is usually gone in five days. And so for the rest of the month, I'm pretty much broke. And it seems as soon as my money's gone, then the arguments start, and then I get told to leave. And there's been many times that I've said, you know, I don't even have enough money to get um, gas to get back home. She said, well, looks like you'll be sitting in my driveway for uh, 20 days, won't you? I said, how can you do that? How can you do that? Um, like, just last week, I took her for Japanese food. We got the stimulus check, and... Um, I told her, do not spend your money. You need to save that. I'll buy whatever you need. So I literally went out and spent $1,000 of my money and um, got everything she needed. I said, you need to save your money, renew your license, and get a vehicle and get it registered. I'll help you do that, but please don't spend your money. She's got a bad spending problem. She spent her um, $8,000 insurance settlement check on stuff on that Wish.com and tarot cards and all this and that. She spent her... First stimulus check or second stimulus check, I said, third one, you've got to save that. So anyways, um, the next day was a huge argument, and she made me leave, and I'm outside, and my car battery was dead. I said, you kidding me? So of course, no car here, no way to get a jump. <clears throat> so sometimes, if it's not completely dead, if I just left it alone for a little bit, it would charge just enough to get me started. But anyways, I'm sitting out there for two hours, and I was starving, starving. Because um, what we took home the night before from Japanese food, um, it was still in the fridge. And now this is, I don't know, close to lunchtime. So I knocked on the window and said, can you at least maybe put some of the Japanese food inside so I can have a little bit? Go after yourself. I said, are you kidding me? I spent almost $200 in food last night. I, are you kidding? I'm, What? I even if I can get my car started, from what I did have, I think I had like $12 left. I said, I'm going to have enough $12 to put in for gas. She goes, I guess you got the choice, either gas or food. I go, you, you won't even give me a little bit. You probably get $200 worth of Japanese food in your fridge. Go fuck yourself. I'm like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? All about me. That broke my fucking heart again. And, um, as a matter of fact, that night we had gone for Japanese food. It was our first date in a long time. And, um, I put my video camera on reverse. And I said, I just want to say something. So I put it on reverse and I pointed it towards both of us. And I said, I just want to let you know, I love you very much. Thank you so much for letting me take you out on this date. You know you mean the world to me. I love you. Before I get anything else, she's like, no, 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 this isn't time for that. We can do that another time. Come on, let's just, let's just order. And I paused it. I didn't say anything, and I was like, how fucking rude is that? I just wanted to let her know how much I loved her, and I was going to send that to her. She can always remember, and to show her, like, my appreciation, how much I love her, how much I just, that hurt my fucking feelings so bad. So... This episode's getting kind of long, but I'll fast forward again. I'll probably extend this to a part two, but... Um, so anyways, I come up to her house um, tonight. 
this night right now. And as a matter of fact, right now I'm actually recording this from inside my car. And I was sparked by the inspiration of um, laying in the back seat in a blanket. So I haven't speak, spoken to her in over a week. Uh, this is since the Japanese food date. So what started it that night was something very simple. She does her tarot cards, and she knows the ins and outs about it. I don't. I, I let her do my cards and you know entertain her about that. And you know, I'll ask questions about what this means, that means. Well, she laid down these three cards. She goes, oh, she goes, here's me, the queen. She goes, oh, there's two kings. Two kings are fighting over the queen. And she kind of looked at me, I looked at her, and I'm waiting for her, like, to explain what that means. And she started going on. I went, whoa, what? I said, what's that supposed to mean? She goes, hold on. And she started going on. And I said, well, no, it, can you back up and finish that rope? She started getting snippy. I go, well, I ain't fighting for no queen. And she goes, really? You know what? Get the fuck out. I go, well, wait a minute here. I said, you know, because I'm trying... You know, what if that was you? And I said, oh, he has a queen, here's two kings. You know, I, and if you didn't know all about tarot cards, wouldn't you stop and want to ask a question? You know, at least you could, you know, maybe just, you know, entertain me a little bit on, like, what you mean by that. And she goes, it's, you know, I, this will only take me about a half an hour and I'll be done and I can explain. I, well, yeah, but half an hour, my whole mind's going to be consumed in that one thing which you mean about two kings fighting over a queen. You couldn't just take a few seconds and just... You know, no, that was it. So that literally meant take all my shit, get out, all the stuff I bought. Uh, she ended up, of course, you know, where I spent all my money, she kept, pretty much kept everything. Even when I said, well, then I'm taking this back and that back. She's like, oh, you cheap prick. No, you're not taking it. I'll break everything before I let you take it back. I'm like, fine. So, yeah, just keep everything. So last night, um, I kept trying to reach her. She wouldn't um, respond to me. So I... Fuck it, I just showed up. So I came up, and um, I was really depressed. I hadn't eaten for almost two days. Um, I laid in bed staring at a blank TV almost a day straight. Um, complete depression. I just did not want to get up, didn't want to do anything. So I said, I gotta go up there, I'm just gonna lose my mind. So as soon as I pulled in, she knew it was me. And she started yelling, you're not coming in, blah, 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 blah. She opens the door, sees me standing there, and I've got, um, my niece has chickens, so she gives us um, fresh eggs. So I had a thing of eggs holding my arms, and um, I could hear her in the background yelling. And just, I knew I wasn't going to be able to see her, and I was heartbroken. So I started crying. I didn't know she was going to open the door. She opened the door, she saw me crying, she goes, I'll go get a fucking tissue and slam the door in my face. And this just broke my heart. I'm like, please, do you not know how much I fucking love you? You don't. You don't realize how much I fucking love you. And the more you push me away, the more you know I'll come back. I know it enables her. But what do I have to get through to your head to let you know that I love you? So anyways, my son comes up here. And once I got up here, I realized the last $20 I had, I left in my other pants that I changed before I came up here. So I get to her house. My car says 19 miles till empty, and I live 52 miles away. 
I'm not even going to make it home. Do you really think I'm going to ask her? Nope. I knew what the answer would be anyways. She's got all the money now, I'm broke. The answer would be no. I'd give her my last penny. Anytime, any, anytime I would, for anything. I have. <laughs> so anyways, my son pulls up. And I explain to him, you know, what's going on. And he said, well, Daddy's like, I'll, I'll, you know, put money on your cash up. You know, I said, I appreciate it. Just don't tell Mom, please. It's kind of embarrassing. I don't want to think I tried to do it purposely to get stuck up here. So anyways, he put money on my cash up. And I was really thirsty. And I hadn't eaten in a couple of days. So he drove down to the store with me. We got gas, came back. And he said, I thought you were hungry. And I said, I, yeah, but I didn't have any extra money. That's what I had. I put in for gas. So he went in, made me a sandwich, and he said, well, are you going to be, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, are you going to go home this late? And no one wanted to come in, so he asked my wife, she said, nope, he's not coming in the house. Tell him he can sleep in his car. So I said, can you ask her at least if we can get some blankets and a pillow? So he comes out, he goes, Dad, I'll say no if I were you, but this is what she told me to give you. He's like, it's the blankets and the dog, um, pillow the dogs lay on. He goes, you smell like dog. I smell, they, they were absolutely disgusting. I said, you know what? Just to make her feel good, I'll sleep on them. I'm going to smell like fucking dirty dog in the morning, but I know what she would say. Dogs get treated like dogs. So I've been literally laying here with two blankets and a pillow that smell like fucking dirty wet dog. But at least I got to sleep on her property in her car. But I've said it before, when the time comes that her family makes her move out because they're trying to sell the house, they've been trying to get a court order to get out. It'll be any day. The sheriff's literally going to say, you have 15 minutes, pack a bag, get out. I told everybody she's been refusing to look for a place for me. I even told her, I'll look for a place for you. Put it in your name, pay your rent. I won't even live with you. I'd live homeless as long as you have a roof over your head. I at least have a car to live in. And I would do that for her. And everybody said the sick thing is you would do that. The thing is, what'll happen is it's going to come to the expensive part where it'll be last minute. Now it'll be just like a hotel, which is going to be like $400 a week, which will consume all my money, and there's no money to save to get a place. Once you get trapped in the hotel scene, you can't get out of it. Or it's extremely hard to get out of it. So that's where it stands now. So again, I've gone over the ledge, I just go over the edge. And given up my last penny for her many of times. When her electricity was shut off, they needed $1,200 to turn it back on because uh, a couple of my kids ran up her bill and then moved out. Other people ran up the bill, moved out, and they disconnected. And they said they wanted $1,200 plus a security deposit to turn it back on. So it was, oh yeah, almost $2,000. So I ended up getting a, um, a title loan and... Um, uh, put the money and got it turned back on for her, even though I had nothing to do with running it up, but I paid it off for her. And um, I'll get it back to her. You don't need to get it back to me. I mean, no, I'm, you don't owe nothing to me. But I've done that things like that for her. Come up here and find her. She had no food. I run out and get food for her, or I'll go down to the church and get food for her. Um, make sure her dog's got food. I always make sure she's got something. You know, and when they shut down her electricity, I started getting towards cold, you know, like October weather, and it was chilly. And um, so, you know, she didn't have heat. It was fucking getting cold. So even though she divorced me and said, well, nothing to do with me, I told her the difference is you divorced me. I didn't divorce you. I still hold my vows. I gave my heart to one woman. That's you. 
And it said, to the day I die, and I'm not dead yet, and until then, I will provide for you. I even, uh, my life insurance policy, I added her on to it after we got divorced. Um, I mean, I do everything for this woman. I love her. And I tell her all the time, what other person would do this? You divorced me. Tell me to get away. You know, you tell me to leave. You hate me. And I still run back up to five for you. And she always swears it was guilt or it's nothing to do. I love you. But the prim- the whole point of this episode was the selfishness of BPD. It's a selfish, selfish disorder. And it's all about them. That's how it has to be. All about them. And it doesn't matter how they hurt you, how bad. Yeah, I could be sitting there, I, and I have been, bawling my eyes on my hands and knees, hysterically, can't even breathe. And she'll sit there and say, you need to leave because I'm having two guys come over here. I'm going to F them tonight and this and that. And I'm going to, I mean, she'll go on while I'm crying, make me cry as hard as I can. And then once I leave, she's like, have you crashed yet? I'm like, no. She goes, I'm going to say things to you, hoping you do crash. Horrible, horrible. That's the black side. And you would never know the other side is the most lovable person. But... The selfishness is unbelievable, but even when she's in the white mode, you know, it's black or white, it, it's very, it's still selfish. It really is. You know, like, I do everything I can for her. I mean, she's got upper false teeth. I take her teeth out at night. I bring it in the bathroom. I clean her teeth and soak them for her. You know, I rub her feet. You know, if she's got her neck, I always ask her, even if nothing's hurting you, can I rub your neck? Can I rub your head? I love trying to make her feel good physically, mentally. It is very selfish, very selfish. She's got very low self-esteem. We both do. I tell her every day, multiple times a day, how beautiful she is, how sexy she is. And I really believe she is. I really do. And, you know, I'd like to hear something once in a while. I'll even kind of invoke it by going, geez, I wish I was, you know, wasn't such a damn frog. And she's like, why do you always say that about yourself? I'm like, I don't know, I got a little self-esteem like you. Instead of her saying, you know what, just why do you say that about yourself? It's so it's like like pulling teeth to try to get her to say anything nice about me. You know, I like to hear it once in a while, but it's always selfishness. You know, if I don't tell her 50 times a day how sexy and beautiful she is, you only told me 49 today. Who are you thinking about? It's, obviously it's a little bit of a, um, um, excuse me, I thought it was drying. Um, you know, exaggeration, but there has been times where, you know, usually you tell me you love me all day long. I've only heard you say it a couple of times. There has been times like that. But this disorder, selfishness, or I should say narcissism is like the top subcategory of this disorder. But the selfishness is unbelievable. It's got to be all about them. You know, and the thing is, like, I do put her above me 99% of the time. And that one time I don't, it turns into a huge fight. Like, it's always got to be about them. It's like, maybe that 1% of the time it can be about me for once, but that's not the way it plays out. It's it's amazing. This disorder just really, it's like a cancer. I just wish there was... 
a cure that was so much easier than trying to get them to admit that they need the help they need because they're always in the right. And they always feel, you know, why should I get extra help and extra medication when, you know, you guys are the one that make me do wrong. Now, I only do wrong when, you know, you make me do wrong. You know, so it's it's hard. We even went to a counselor one time and because the counselor agreed with me a little bit more times than her, we had to get rid of her. She's like, you must know her from somewhere. Oh, my God. You know, and, and I've heard that many times. But um, this episode has gone, you know, 32 minutes or a little bit longer, I should say. So I'm kind of dragging it on. So I, I think I'll make a part two about it because I think a lot of you understand what I'm talking about. So, you know, people with BPD, I just want you to understand how the selfishness really puts a strain on the relationship. You may not realize you're doing it, but you really got to stop and think and practice in DBT and, and, and really realize that, you know, with, with every situation, who is being put first in the situation? And does this happen a lot? You know, it, it, you may start wondering why your partner is pulling back a lot because it becomes very strainful. It's hard when you're always trying to please that person. It seems like it's never good enough. Try to put yourself, try to always think if the tables are turned, if I was in this situation, how would I react? Would I like it? That's how you have to start thinking. You know, and if you start seeing you, your partner pulling back, don't start thinking, why is he falling out of love with me? Does he love somebody else? Is he going for somebody else? He's withdrawing a lot lately. Maybe it's exhaustion. It's mental exhaustion. It's hard and it's frustrating. When, you, when you're running a marathon, you're running as hard as you can, and you see the finish line right there, and every time you reach to grab it, it gets pulled further ahead. It, it's frustrating. It feels like we're never winning. And most of the time, all we want is just your love, your acceptance. But anyways, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Just remember, if you have somebody with BPD, try to love them as much as you can, because they find it hard enough to love themselves. And... People with BPD, just understand, we try to understand you, we really do, but try to understand, it's hard for us to understand you, try to open up and speak, and we're not always trying to peek into your, your head and try to deceive you by understanding your disorder, we're trying to understand you because we want to love you, and like I always say, to know them is to love them, and to love them, you have to know them, so thank you very much everybody for listening, and have a great day. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.